Hey y'all, it's Erin. I'm editing the episode that you're listening to and I wanted to put in a quick disclaimer that we recognize there is some weird background noise with some clicking. We're going to try to work on our sound and have this fixed for you by the next episode and we hope you still enjoy. Okay, bye. I'm Carter. I'm Eloa. And I'm Erin. And if you don't know three black bitches who love true crime, you do now. This is the I Ain't a Killer podcast. Ready? Okay. I might want to start this episode off. Y'all know. My granny listens to this podcast. (laughs) We're in trouble. We're going to all be in time now. (laughs) Hey, granny girl. You better ground all of this. (laughs) Please. That shit's funny as fuck. I found this out yesterday. I'm still (laughs) processing. But yeah, she listens. Hey, girl. (laughs) Aaron texts the group chat like, oh, no. No, first she was like, oh, my grandfather followed us on Instagram. Right. And Ellie Wall was like, okay, like, as long as she doesn't listen to the podcast, we're good. <laughs> Ten minutes later. <laughs> I'm listening to your podcast. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> You're not going to be proud of you. Right. <laughs> when we really hit our stride, we got reckless. I know. I'm like, please, don't yeah. listen past episode three. Yeah. We got rid of sound problems. We was like, oh, these mics work. We're going to say everything possible. <laughs> like, oh, my God. Am I listen. Please, it starts off three black bitches who love. That's what I'm saying. And you don't know three black bitches who love. (laughs) She's like, oh, this is cute. Uh, oh my god, no. If my granny listens to this podcast, though, I'm a, I'm a, well, Cardi won't let me bury myself in that backyard. <laughs> no, please. Again. So I have to find a backup plan. I don't know why you want me to go to prison. You can just put like a note on top of it. Like, yeah. she, she wanted to be here. Yeah, please. She, she volunteered. I, here's a video commission. <laughs> like, <separate. laughs> Like, I did this to myself because no, I'm so no, no. First of all, I am still black. <laughs> they gonna lock my black this ass. Very much not gonna work. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, no, that's so funny. So that's where we are. Yeah. <laughs> funny mm-hmm. shit. Okay, so do we want to start with our current crime? Yes. yes. Okay. Currently happening in crime. So this is something that Ellie Wall found, but I'm just gonna read the article. So <laughs> the title is Romance Novelist Who Wrote how to murder your husband goes on trial four years after chef's spouse found dead in culinary school kitchen. Child, you murdered this nigga at his job. At his school? Or what? I'm like, why do people, I guess, I guess it's like to draw people in to title something, how to murder your husband, but it's just a little, like it's too hot. Like, right. Don't name it that. You made your own block too hot. (laughs) You can't write a book called how to murder your husband and then, Murder, murder your husband. husband. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Write a book like How Not to Murder Your Husband. <laughs> right. How to get away with murder. Murder. <laughs> and tries to get away with it. But <clears throat> Okay, so this article was published on April 5th of this year. So the trial of a self-published romance writer accused of fatally shooting her chef husband started on Monday. Nancy Crampton Brophy has remained in custody since her arrest in September of 2018 facing a murder charge in the death of Daniel Bruffy, who was 63. Um, Bruffy was killed as he prepped for work at the Oregon Culinary Institute in Southwest Portland around 7.30 a.m. on June 2nd, 2018. He was alone in the kitchen when he was killed. She killed this nigga at 7.30 in the morning? <laughs> That's sad. She had things to do. Okay. <laughs> Let's, Let's, yeah, yeah, 
It's like, I have brunch plans, actually. She's got an alarm to do this. Oh, my <laughs> God. No, that bitch did that shit. She's premeditated. He was alone in the kitchen when he was killed, and there were no obvious suspects. Brophy was found dead in his classroom when students began, began arriving. Aww. That's sad. He had worked at the school since 2006. Damn. Nancy Bruffy is a self-published romance writer who's years before her husband's death penned an essay titled How to Murder Your Husband. At the, tr- at the start of the trial on Monday, Judge Christ- Christopher Ramross, these names, announced mm-hmm. the essay would be excluded from the trial's evidence. Um, any minimal probative probative value of an article written that long ago is substantially outweighed by the danger of unfair prejudice and confusion of the issues. Brophy's Mm -hmm. death remained a mystery until his wife's arrest and authorities have never publicly disclosed another suspect. And does it say what they suspect her motive was? Let me see. So investigators determined there was no sign of force or struggle and no signs of robbery. Brophy still has his wallet, cell phone, and car keys with him, documents said. Traffic cameras show Crampton Brophy's minivan approaching and departing from city streets near the Institute, close to the apparent time of the shooting. Y'all gotta be better about that. Traffic cameras are everywhere. Don't drive your own car to the scene. No. And you have a whole essay about it. (laughs) I feel like you would be an expert. What's what's video of you in the driver's seat? Like, girl, so it was you taking yourself to go kill somebody. What the fuck? At 7.30 a.m. At 7.30 a.m. So the senior deputy district attorney um, said that Crampton Brophy was motivated motivated by greed in a $1.4 million insurance policy. That'll do it. <laughs> you do not have to worry about me. Um, okay, so lead defense attorney Lisa Maxfield said that Crampton Brophy and her finances both deteriorated after Brophy's death, far from the prosecution's claim that she profited from ill-gotten gains. She previously entered a not guilty plea to the charge. In an online biography featuring work, Crampton Brophy writes that she is, quote, married to a chef whose mantra is, life is a science project. As a result, there are chickens and turkeys in my backyard, a fabulous vegetable garden which allows, which also grows tobacco for an insecticide, and a hot meal on the table every day. I mean, every night. For those of you who have longed for this, let me caution you. The old adage is true. Be careful what you wish for. When the gods are truly angry, they grant us our wishes. What? Is she saying that she didn't do it? And I don't know. And she like wished for his death and it happened, or like was she wishing for a divorce and then he was murdered? For I don't. From this, I got that like she seemingly lives this fabulous life that she wanted, but then once she had it, it wasn't good. It wasn't good Mm. or something like that. Or from the outside, it looked great, but it wasn't. So uh, their neighbor told um, Coin TV in 2018 that Crampton Brophy didn't appear to be upset in the wake of Brophy's death. She's taking it well, and that's what I said, you know. I said maybe some people can handle things better than others. Crampton Brophy kept busy preparing to move. Uh, McConnell said, even after she said, I'm a suspect, he said, I just thought, oh, yeah, well, they always suspect the opposite spouse. The trial is expected to last seven weeks. I feel um, like she did it. <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, I mean it's out of 7.30 in the morning. Nobody's in a prep kitchen except for the chefs. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, it's denture one of the <clears throat> servers. They didn't get there that fucking early in the morning. <laughs> and it's like, if it, like, what other motive would anybody else have? Unless yeah. there's, like, a lover or something that we just don't know about. 
And they said it was a school, like a culinary school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he was definitely probably the only one there. And the other chefs, maybe. Damn. There must be something going on in that house. Yeah. 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 I'm interested to hear what comes out later. Oh, yeah. We yeah. definitely got to give y'all updates because that is wild as fuck. And yes. I'm just 730 in the morning. You just, you could have shot him at the house. Like, I don't. <laughs> right. Why you let him pull out the driveway? Why you let him go to work? And then did you find something while he was at work? And was like, oh, no. You know, yeah. like, before breakfast, like, that, that don't make no sense to me. It just don't. So it doesn't seem super well thought out if the motive was the money. It yeah. really doesn't, yeah. Because she, the school is going to have cameras, traffic cams or CCTV or whatever. It's just, it doesn't add up. Like, yeah. I don't know. I wonder if, like, somebody else. Set up a burglary. Something. Or do you, I don't know. Y'all living that, he's a chef, he's a teacher or whatever the fuck. I don't know. Y'all got a little bit of money to put a hit out of arm. It just, it just, it just, yeah, it doesn't look really planned at all. Like, maybe she just got, like, emotional and then just. Y'all you know, acted on that like as and as an impulse or whatever, but you know, hmm. we'll definitely give y'all updates. That's why I bet I'm up. She saw them eye messages. <gasps> sad. <laughs> Pulled up. <laughs> I'm going out sad. Oh my god. All yeah. right. The main story. Yeah, main story. We'll right. be back. So this isn't going to be super, super long, but it's very interesting, I think. Uh, so this is the story of Todd Kohlhepp, the Amazon review killer. Have y'all heard of him? No. Okay, cool. Uh, <laughs> what? Like Amazon, the website? The, uh, yeah, Amazon review killer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, that's what it's called, but I just personally think this is the audacity killer because nigga, what the fuck. But anyway. <laughs> So, Todd Kohlhepp was born on March 7th, 1971 in Florida, but he was raised in South Carolina and Georgia. He had a rocky childhood. Uh, his parents divorced when he was two years old, mm-hmm. and then his mother got custody and then married another man the following year. <clears throat> um, he hated his stepdad. He always made sure they knew that he wanted to go live with his biological father but it just didn't they never really cared to actually give him custody or whatever um so they didn't find this out until they like put him in counseling um they did like psychological reports and things like that and then they ended up finding out that he had a very unhealthy relationship with his stepfather and then that made them uh, i guess like reconsider possibly letting him go live with his biological father who at the time he hadn't seen in eight years at all yeah can't see him at Why all. can't they just listen to their kids? I have no clue. Like, I don't you have to put them through all this stuff just to hear him. Right. Yeah. I don't. I mean, I've never been part of the, like a divorced family, but I don't know. I, I feel like, and this is just purely speculation because I have no. This is as far as the research would take me as far as his family life. But what I've noticed with divorced kids is like the parents being like competition or something, mm-hmm. and then it's just, it's just like, oh hell no, you ain't gonna stay with your daddy, so he can be your favorite parent, you know that whole thing. That's how you ended up with twelve puppies. Right. <laughs> okay, yeah, I was like, you yeah. gotta speak more to it than I can. My parents like, are divorced, and yeah, there's some of that. Yeah, but I think like it. Well, at least for our situation, it only happened for a little while, mm-hmm. like yeah. right in the beginning, okay. and then it, my mom was like, I don't care anymore. Okay, so I don't know, but I mean, I'm sure it comes up a lot. 
Yeah. I mean, my mom definitely resented that I wanted to spend more time with my dad. And it wasn't even like I didn't want to spend time with her at a particular, like when they were newly divorced. But like, if I expressed any interest in wanting to be around my dad, it was like a problem. Mm-hmm. So that's, a, that's definitely a thing. Yeah. I, w- I would imagine that that wouldn't hurt, but I would still let them see their father. Right. Yeah. Freedom. I'm going to go get shit done. My dad's going to get some dick, girl. Like, hey, you worried about that? Like, yeah, you can see your dad. Just stay with me as long as you want. Come in and eat. um, So Colhead was described as a troublesome child. In nursery school, he was known to be aggressive towards other children and he would destroy their property. So like cubbies and stuff like that set stuff on fire and destroying people's shit. What? In nursery school, which is funny because like we literally just did a story Mm -hmm. on what Mary Bell. Bell. Yeah. And this bitch was destructive in elementary school. That's where it starts. Yeah. Let's take an art class or something. Like, pay attention. They're not just violent just because. There's a reason. They're babies. Yeah. Right. Babies aren't naturally violent. It's like each other cheek little, I don't know, potential geniuses. They're not supposed to destroy stuff and set shit on fire. Like, at the age of nine, he started undergoing counseling. Uh, Kohlhepp was described as being explosive, quote-unquote, and preoccupied with sexual content. Mm, oh. That is literally how he was diagnosed. And it's just like another sign. Like, y'all can y'all can do something about this. So he said that he was... I don't know. I really And they didn't say anything about that in, his, in the research. Maybe I need to dig a little deeper or I don't know. But he never said anything about it. But I, that's personally what I'm like. Mm-hmm, right. where somebody was abusing him. Yeah. Whether it was like physically, mentally or sexually. That's awesome. Because um, that's what kids don't know about sex. Like how to yeah. even find sexual content in nine years old. Um, he also displayed cruelty towards animals. Oh, there it is. Yep. So that's like the trifecta. Right. I'm like, you know, checked all the boxes. Exactly. <laughs> the only thing that's missing here is like the head injury. I was literally about to right. say. Falling off the getting, getting hit in the back of the head with a swing. It's like, boom. There you go. <laughs> it um, probably happened. It just wasn't recorded. Honestly. Or nobody was paying attention because who pays attention to kids? Uh, pays attention to kids. Um, so he displayed cruelty to animals. Uh, shooting a dog with a BB gun. And he killed a goldfish with Clorox bleach. What? Yeah. And I forgot to put the trigger warning. I literally just started with his name. I forgot to put the trigger warning. Animals, <coughs> gun violence, kidnapping, and sexual assault. So, yeah. Ooh, Sorry, I didn't put that in the beginning, but now y'all know. Um, so, <laughs> now we're already triggered. Now that we're already right. triggered, you can <laughs> if you like. Um, let me go ahead and type that in there. <laughs> That's so um, cruel. I mean, both of them are cool, but specifically no, the goldfish. It seems like over the top. Like a BB gun, I get it. I had a BB gun when I was a kid. I will say the first time I actually, like, me and my cousin and called myself going hunting in the backyard because it was fine in the house. And then, like, I shot at a squirrel and, like, hit it in the leg and I cried. Oh. I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. Oh. So, like, I get, like, you know, playing around with a BB gun, but putting bleach in the that's fucked. Honestly, like, even at that age, how do you know that that would, like, injure right. the fish? That's what I'm saying. I think he was going through some, like, real, for real shit because I never would have thought of that. Yeah, and never. Like, if know. anything, I mean, I would never. I love fish. But you would take the fish out the, out the <laughs> right. you know? Right. Like, that's what I feel like a kid would think. Like, right. if I'm trying to hurt a fish, I would take it out the water. Yeah. He's like, no, Ooh, let me make the water toxic. All right, y'all, we'll be right back after we pay some bills. Are you a huge cunt? Us too. Wait, can we even say cunt? Of course. It's empowering these days. Cunt, 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 cunt. 
I'm Ange Balasone, a.k.a. the drag queen, Fat Girl Gina. And I'm Mike Fails, just a normal gay guy, I guess? And we're the hosts of The Big Cunty Couch, a gorgeous new talk show podcast where we invite queers and peers to sit, bitch, and be fierce on a huge-ass couch. While we gab about all things gay. So come get cozy. And cunty. With us. We're pan for platforms, so find us anywhere online and get listening, sweetie. Or watching. Or both. Otherwise, why the hell am I in full drag? And we'll see you on The Big cu- Oh, wait. I thought we were going to say that together. No. On the big c***y couch. Mwah. Yeah, no. This is a little evil genius at a very early age. Um, so Colehep's father later said that the only emotion his son was capable was, uh, the only emotion that his son was capable of was anger. And I couldn't get a quote, like, who, who specified this? But I was like, if it's the stepfather, I'm like, nigga, it's your fault. But right. He has an unhealthy relationship with you. He's been saying he wanted to go live with his father for a minute. So I'm hoping that it's his, like, actual father who said this. Um, but even know. then, like, you weren't there for your son. You weren't, he hadn't seen you in how long? Like, how did he have that opinion? Right. Um, Colehep spent three and a half months in a Georgia psychiatric hospital as an inpatient because of his inability to get along with other children. Wow. So, yeah. Eventually, in 1983, at the age of 12, Colehep was sent to live with his biological father in Arizona and after his mom and his stepfather separated. He took his father's surname and then began working a number of local jobs at, uh, yeah, at the age of 12. <laughs> okay, cool. um, he also inherited his father's hobby of collecting weapons, and he said that his father taught him how to, quote-unquote, blow things up and make bombs. Um, I don't know how true that is, but also like that whole there's like this thing with white kids like they their parents be buying them like hunting weapons and shit like that. So somebody who likes to collect weapons, I wouldn't. It's not too far off that he like taught him how to shoot things and like maybe like minor explosives or something. I don't know, but that's what he said. Mm-mm. Yeah, make bombs though. That's very yeah. I think for white folks to have different hobbies, same. Like <laughs> no, exactly. The homegrown terrorists that we have that we don't acknowledge, like, first and foremost. But, like, why are you teaching your 13-year-old son to blow the shit up? For and, what? And like, even, even if you were trying to say, like, oh, I'm teaching my kid how to use a gun so that they're safe. At the age of 13, especially with his past. Yeah. That, like, that doesn't. That's not, yeah. You should, he should be as far away from a fucking gun, weapons, bombs <laughs> as possible. Yeah. Buy that boy a teddy bear. Exactly. <laughs> he needs some softness in his life. <laughs> Spend all that weapon money on therapy because really, <laughs> he going through some real for shit. For both of y'all. Because right? you, <laughs> right. <laughs> No, because you thought it was okay to teach a 13 year old how to make a bomb. So yeah. you also need to see somebody. Oh, but yeah, no. I went to hella, I went to a school with like hella white kids and they always like had the same personality. It was always like the camo with the little camo hats. Mm. And they used to like, oh my dad got me a desert eagle. Da, 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 da. Not a desert eagle. Desert huh? eagle. Please. That shit looks scary. I don't, I don't know what that is. I'm about to look Yeah, look at that. It's, it's a, a very it's big intense. Intimidating handgun. looking pistol. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. Like, Not this picture of the shoulders. <laughs> desert eagle. Um, Guns. Yeah, so... Oh, damn. Despite this, you know, I guess, like, common ground as far as hobbies, their relationship deteriorated because of the father's absence. And he was always occupied with uh, his girlfriends. And Kohef expressed desires to return to his mother. 
Um, but she always made excuses to extend his stay, <laughs> which is like, girl, what? Which pick a side? So he wanted to stay with. He was with his mom. He wanted to be with his dad. Yeah, and now he's back to his mom. So he is has to be. Well, he doesn't have to be, but it seems like he's probably being abused on all sides, mm-hmm. yeah. or just yeah. not being taken care of. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and this is all before the age of thirteen. So. Mm-hmm. So now we, um, now he's 14 years old. On November 25th, 1986, um, actually, no, he's 15 at this time. Uh, Colehead kidnapped a 14-year-old girl in Tempe, Arizona. So he didn't start early. What? Yeah, at the age of 15. Um, he threatened her with a 22 caliber revolver. I don't know how big that is, but anything larger than zero, bitch. Okay. <laughs> I don't think it's twenty two is that big. Is it like? Is it like? Is it like specials? Like the thirty eight? Because I've heard a thirty eight special before, but I and I know what that looks like, but I don't know what a twenty two is like. That's like the little snub nose. I don't know. Images. Um. This looks. This looks like a. That's a twenty two. This looks like a Yayata ass. Not that over fun ass gun. Literally just about to say that. I was like, that's an over fun gun. Rabbit season. <laughs> Bitch. No, but this is a revolver, so I don't know. Okay, maybe this? Maybe. Oh, it's a revolver rifle. I don't yeah, know maybe any it. of these words mean. <laughs> Me either. That's not what I'm saying. You're saying words like <laughs> Somebody could be like a five revolver. I'd be like, I'm scared. Uh, I don't know what the fuck that is. Is that a slingshot? Like, I don't know. I mean, if it shoots bullets, I'm definitely like... Okay. It is enough. Um, so he threatened her with a 22 and brought her back to his home. He tied her up. He taped her mouth shut. And then, of course, what men do. Uh, he sexually assaulted her. Oh. Afterwards, he walked her home. Yes. Walked her home. And that's why I said, this is where the audacity comes in. Because it's like, at this point... You, I don't know. He's exhibiting signs of being beyond rehabilitation. I don't just, that's not for me to make the call. I'm not a psychologist, but me personally, this is why I check out. Um, so he walked her home and he threatened to kill her younger siblings if she told anybody about what happened. Wow. But of course she told everybody about what happened. Cole Hepp was charged with kidnapping, sexual assault, and committing a dangerous crime against children. In 1987, um, after he had gone on trial, he pled guilty. I mean, I said before he had gone on trial. Um, he pled guilty to the kidnapping charge, and the other charges were dropped. Hmm? That's what I said, too. What? So my thing is, like, the law is fucked up in, in just in general, but I think a lot of the times when they, like, stack on charges, I think they're doing it to get a conviction during trial. Mm-hmm. So if you plead guilty, it's like, okay, we got the conviction we want, so we don't need that other shit. Like, that type of shit. But it's the the sexual assault is like the, the most important part. Exactly, most definitely. And uh, yeah, no, I, cr- I completely agree. But just thinking about how the law works, I don't think they give a fuck about crime. I think they care about the conviction. Yeah. So if you plead guilty, that's a win for them. They can put that on the books. We mm-hmm. won. We didn't even have to go to trial. Yeah. Sweep that off the docket or whatever fuck, and then they keep them calm. Right. Uh, so yeah, the charges were dropped. He was sentenced to 15 years in prison, and he was registered as a sex offender. Damn, 15 years is a long time for a kidnapping charge. For a kid, too. Yeah, yeah that's what I was saying, because he was a minor at the time mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. Like, I think, because I think once you get that conviction, once somebody pleads guilty, you can stack on the years from the other charges. You're like, mm-hmm. okay, cool. You probably would have got, like, five to eight, but because you did these other things, we're going, like, 15 to 20. Mm-hmm. That's what you're um, so according to court records, um, Kohut was evaluated and he was diagnosed with borderline personality disorder and he had an above average IQ of 118. 
He probably could have been diagnosed with that way before this happened, and it would have not happened. It's yeah. interesting, though, because he did go to therapy, right, when he was a uh, mm-hmm. kid kid. He was put into an institution, right? Yeah, that, which lot, yeah. doesn't necessarily mean that it was helpful. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Because the whole mental health mm-hmm. complex is mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think they, you know, agree. They don't give a fuck about mental health, and they're not looking into people's, like, backgrounds. They're not looking into, okay, this need to be isolated. Trauma-informed care is so important, because it's like, Yes, people have these diagnoses, but, like, also examining and unpacking, like, the circumstances that, like, exacerbated these Mm -hmm. things, like, it's, I don't know, I just feel like it gets overlooked so often. People want to, like, treat the symptoms, treat the symptoms, treat the symptoms. It's like, okay, so, like, what's your relationship like with your mother? What's Mm -hmm. your relationship like with your father? Like, how does it make you feel when you think about these things? Like, I don't know. And it's also, like, if you wanted to continue to have a relationship with any of these people, they need to also be involved in the therapy. So the fact that it was, like, he was taken to a place for three months by himself and Mm -hmm. then dropped back off at home, it's clear that, like, no real work was done. Right. No aftercare, especially in Georgia. Mm -hmm. Right. In the 80s? Yeah, no, absolutely fuck not. There's this lady, um, she did this TED Talk, I forget exactly what the acronym is, but she she was basically saying that like if, a, if 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 people keep going to the well to get water and they keep coming back sick, you don't treat the symptoms, you treat the well. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. she was saying that like they came up with like this list of like childhood adversity, adverse like, childhood experiences. That yeah. Yes. Yes. Mine yes. is trash. Oh, I didn't say mine. Bitch. <laughs> we're, we're probably gonna be like, <laughs> let's see. My therapist is like, oh, high score, <laughs> right? <laughs> Like an arcade or something. Right. The game. Yeah. Ooh. But I love that TikTok because it was like, you know, when you look at <laughs> when you look at adversity, um, that kind of like um can predict whether or not somebody will be violent, whether or not they'll have a divorce, whether or not they'll have a whether or not they'll die, yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah, that, that as well. So that kind of, you know, made me think of this too, and I was just like, yikes. But again, that type of care isn't national. It's probably like in some super small town in like Oregon or something like that. And it costs however much money. Oh, yeah, yeah, most definitely. Yeah. Um, so the judge in the case said Kohlhepp was very bright and should be advanced academically, quote unquote. And, uh, but he was behaviorally and emotionally dangerous. And he likely could not be rehabilitated. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> no. If I heard some shit like that from a judge, I'd be like, shake it down. Right. <laughs> Damn, <laughs> bitch. Excuse me. I'm literally right here. Like, damn, I'll go back to therapy for the rest of my life. Don't tell me that. Like, goodness. Oh my God. But no, Cohelp's probation officer wrote a similar description in court papers and added that he, quote unquote, felt the world owed him something, Mm. which they probably did. He was probably fucking abused. Uh, Cohelp's attorney in the case uh, later went on to say that while defending him, he did not believe that his client would go on to harm others in the future. And he was wrong. Um, during his imprisonment, <laughs> literally wrong. I would not want to be the lawyer that predicted that, and then this shit ended up happening because this is wild. Um, so during his imprisonment, Kohlhepp was initially cited for violations that included some violent behavior, but after turning twenty, there's no record of his disobedience. So he likely just like burned out and then just cooled off for the rest of his uh, sentence. So in August 2001, Kohlhepp was released from prison after serving 14 years and moved to South Carolina where his mother was living. During his um, imprisonment, he attended and graduated from Central Arizona College with a bachelor's degree in computer science. Okay. From January 2002 to November 2003, he worked as a graphic designer for a company in Spartanburg. I think that's in Arizona. No, in South Carolina, my bad. Um, he began studying at Greenville Technical College. He transferred to South Carolina Upstate. 
Um, and then he graduated in 20, 2008 with a Bachelor of Science in Business. Um, I'm sorry, Business Administration Marketing. Despite being registered as a sex offender, Colehep was able to get a real estate license. Um, he was, I think he lied, oh yeah, he lied about his felony charge on his application. So he, he ended yeah. up getting his real estate license. Um, from this, he built a firm that had uh, at least a dozen <gasps> agents in his employees. I you heard know this, this story. <laughs> Oh, my God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Okay. He had been uh, recognized as a top-selling agent in Carolina. Um, <laughs> and he also acquired a private pilot license, and he owned several properties out of state. In May 2014, he purchased nearly 100 acres, which cost almost 100 k for upkeep. So he was doing pretty well. Um, why the fuck anybody would give all this up to be a, a fucking criminal? I don't know. Uh, a customer who sold um, who sold her home to Kohep remembered him as extremely outgoing and professional, but then noted that he would often talk about his firearms and sometimes subtly used sexual innu- innuendo during their conversations. Which to me is like that just nicks the professional. Like yeah, yeah no that longer the professional. Why right. would you describe somebody as professional? Like well, you know, sometimes they make sex jokes. <laughs> like I mean, the, the way the patriarchy set up is like I feel like. Honestly, I expect it. Mm-hmm. Like when yeah. someone isn't a creep, like a cishet man isn't a creep, I'm like, oh wow, like I, I yeah. didn't feel threatened in that interaction. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Like it's like bonus points. That's why. Also, when you told me that, regardless of his like uh, sexual, what is it called? Damn, I being on the sex offender. Yeah, being on the sex offender list. That he's a realtor. Like, um, I know being on the sex offender list, there are some nuances with that, but not with him. He right. very much sexually assaulted somebody. And the fact that he, like, was able to lie and now he's potentially, like, in homes alone with mm-hmm. people, like, that's yeah. scary. Right. Yeah. It has multiple properties where he can, like, he has keys and he can just mm-hmm. take people. Right. Definitely. That's how, yeah, and then the sexual innuendos, I'm like, ooh, a creep. Yeah. yeah. No, most definitely. Damn. Yeah, definitely get realtors that are women or non-men. Y'all be safe out mm-hmm. here. And let somebody know when you're visiting houses. Yeah, or like be that. with somebody else. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, which to me... Just further proves the point that like these little small incidences, everybody's like, "Oh, y'all overreacting." It's not that big of a right. men or men. That's just how they talk, locker room talk or whatever. But when people bring that into situations where you're not supposed to be talking about sex, or you're just supposed to be talking about selling somebody a house, right? That's a little weird, and that says something about you. Y'all not at the bar ch- taking shots, playing, mm-hmm. right? You mm-hmm. know, two truths and a lie, or no shit like that. It's right. Like, this is supposed to be a strictly like transactional type of thing, and then you bringing up sex. Like, it's really that's really. And now I'm weird. supposed to buy this house from you, and you know where I live. Oh, period. You know where all the exits are. You know how the windows. You might have a key to the house. I don't know. Honestly. Ooh. And yeah, no. Um, so yeah, conversely, um, a woman who assisted one of uh, Colip's employees described him as angry and condescending towards her partner. Uh, a banker who worked with Paul Hepp said he often watched uh, pornographic videos even at work. Ciao. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm not trying to keep I've met a couple of those. But, like, the people... So, first of all, I have, like, maybe controversial feelings around, like, public sex and things like that. Because I just feel like, how can you have someone's consent when you're doing something like that? Mm-hmm. But, you know, that's neither here nor there. But, like, people who masturbate at work... <laughs> like, that's the whole thing. Lots of people do it. And, like, if you do it in the bathroom, I guess, like, it's fine or whatever. I'm just, like, at work, bro? Like, me, personally, I'm just, like, I don't know. If, if you feel that, if you feel that horny or, you know, you feel that impulse or whatever, 
you got to make sure on everything you don't get caught. Like, it's got to be, like, your number one mission. Protect your privacy with your life. <laughs> in a fucking way, I'm about to be in a, like, a back office at a restaurant and, like, niggas just, or like, unlocking my shit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or your cubicle or wherever the fuck you work at. Or, you know, I'm driving around and I'm a real estate agent driving around in my car masturbating in front of open houses. Like, that's weird. It is. Lock the fucking door. Like, if you want to make shit, lock the fucking door. It doesn't even say he was masturbating. So I'm just, like, picture him watching, like, porn like it's a movie. Like, you went to Netflix. Like, are you right. sitting here watching this? Like, right. we're like tilted a little bit away. Yeah, no. Who ain't got a privacy screen in your shit? Like, why are you doing this? No headphones in, nothing. Please. Sweat Just wear sweatpants for easy access. Like, just wait around it, okay? Creeps, take a note. I know some of y'all listening. <laughs> Please don't listen to me. Immediately. We don't want it here. But yeah, I mean, it's just ways around it. I feel like people who do shit like that kind of want to get caught because it's like, I don't mm-hmm. know, kind of, I don't know. It does or it makes them like excited to know that they could get caught at yeah. Right, right. Um, so, Colette Frank, he frequented a Waffle House restaurant in Roebuck. Not Waffle House. Yeah. Damn, Waffle House. Like, <laughs> no, I'm just playing. Waffle House is great. But I'm just saying, this, like, why y'all had to bring this shit in here? But anyway, he frequented a Waffle House and where his behavior disturbed the waitresses so much. To the point where um, a male cook started taking his orders. To oh, wow. Now, when you stress out the that's Waffle what I'm House Because they put up with a lot. They've seen everything. <laughs> Waffle House, everybody who worked at Waffle House can box. So, like, why the fuck? You made the Waffle House server so uncomfortable that the cook had to come over? Listen. Listen. Like, it's just, that's when I was like, okay, cool. If that's like, the case, you don't need to come in this establishment. You don't need to come in here. Yeah. Like, or choose another Waffle I don't know. I don't know. No, that man must have been a menace. What no. the fuck did he say to them? He was, like, making, like, sexual jokes and stuff like that and then just making them hella uncomfortable. So mm. that guy, like, stepped in and was like, I'll take their order, you know, just to, I mean, I'll take his order just to, you know, keep off from having a day with this nigga. He was like, okay, yeah, you a real one. Like, that's, I mean, niggas do what you can to step in do what mm-hmm. you can, and I feel like that's one of the things. Um, on November 6, 2003, a customer found four, oh, wait, I'm sorry. <laughs> I skipped a little head a little bit. So, um... One of the people who worked at the Waffle House, her name is Megan Coxie, and then that comes up later. Okay. Um, as far as like when they actually do finally catch him for all the shit he's done. So this is a complete 180 from everything that's like been going on in his history. This is like where the real shit starts. So 2003, a customer walks into Superbike Motorsports in Chesney, and they found four people shot dead within the store. In a bike shop? Yeah, in a bike shop. The victims were identified as the owner, Scott Ponder, a service manager, Brian Lucas, a mechanic, Chris Sherber, and a bookkeeper named Beverly Guy, who was um, Scott Ponder's mother. So basically, like, the owner's mother was shot, shot mm. dead as well. Uh, all four of them died from multiple gunshot wounds. At the time, investigators believed that it was a gunman armed with a pistol, who entered the shop from the back and then killed Sherbert as he worked. Um, they ended up finding out later that that wasn't the case, but that comes up when he finally gets caught. Up until this point, like, they don't know who it is. They just think it's, like, some um, masked gunman or whatever. Um, so they know that it's a disgruntled customer, but they don't know names. They don't have any, like, sort of track or anything like that. Um, so I'll come back to that later because I don't want to, like, skip around too much. Um, so then... August 31st, 2016, Kayla Brown and her boyfriend, Charles David Carver, 
went missing after they went to work a job on his property to remove brush from, um, I, I guess, like, before he ended up, like, trying to sell the home or whatever. So basically, like, trying to spruce it up. He hired them as, like, landscapers or, like, just as uh, groundskeepers or whatever, and then they ended up going missing. So Kayla's friends kept calling her. They kept leaving notes on her car. She always used to talk to them, like, pretty often. So when um, she didn't answer them, they reported her missing, like, pretty soon after that. And then Charles was super close to his mom. They used to talk every single day, which was like, oh, that's so sweet. Um, so she immediately reported him missing, like, because they never went a day without, like, talking to each other mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So she was like, that's very weird. Um, so this built, this built interest in their disappearance, but then it ended up becoming, like, an official, like, where are they, somebody has them type case. When somebody started using their Facebooks to, um, to post, like, I guess, like, distracting posts to keep people from looking in front of her or whatever. Um, some of the posts included memes. There was this one that said, um, what color ribbon supports those who can't stay out of other people's business? You know those little, like, make a meme type pictures over there? <laughs> yeah. And then there was another one that said, sometimes I dig a hole in my backyard just to keep my neighbors from guessing. I mean, just to keep my neighbors guessing. And then, like, that's when people started commenting, like, okay, is that what you did with the real Kaylin Charlie? Like, right. You, is that what they all Out of all the memes. Why yeah, did you no. think that? Yeah, it's exactly. like that meme that, like, how, what would I post for you to know that, like, I'm in danger? Yes. Like that. That's what it makes me think about. So, yes. like, I went camping. And you know. <laughs> no. like, look, if I voluntarily went camping, I'm, someone has me. <laughs> I'm hurt and noted. Or I said I booked an appointment to go skydiving. Y'all know. No, same though. No. Someone has me and look for Listen, me. if somebody's like, hey, y'all, I'm good. I'm just going to Six Flags. <laughs> you will never catch me at Six Flags. I hate roller coasters, hate water rides. Really? Like, I'm a granny. I would comment, I would comment like, so okay, I'm okay. Oh, yeah, I carry purses. If y'all, uh, if you can be with Kier. He don't do uh, roller coasters. Really? Really. Okay, so yeah. y'all can hang out. Yeah, we'll we never hung out before, yeah. so that'll be a good time for me to get to know Kier. Yeah. Kier and Kier. Mom, <laughs> oh, that's cute. You're going to be like, I love Twitter since that man. I was like, oh, no. Carter said, Carter said. Like after people started actually saying like what did you do with Kayla and Charlie? Um, the there's a picture posted with uh, Kayla and Charlie like in an engagement picture or, or whatever, and it said we're fine. Like mm. that's just like the the caption or whatever. And then there was another one that says I'm just missing to everyone else. We are both okay. There's only one person that knows where we are. The person that means the most to me and Kayla, she know where we are, and we are coming that way forever. That's that's what the caption said. And at that point, I'm like, did you use voice dictation for this shit? Because <laughs> Grammarly is a thing. Like, what, what does that mean? What does that mean? Like, I don't... Y'all still on the way? Like, I don't know. Like, that that makes no sense. On November 3rd... <clears throat> um, so, I'm going to have to skip around a little bit because I'm going to go with his arrest and then we're going to get, like, Kayla's side of the story. Okay. So, uh, on November 3rd, Brown was found by authorities. 
um, Kayla Brown was found by authorities because they traced her phone to the area. So basically, when they went to go work the property, they posted about it. Like, hey, we're going to go like remove this brush from this property, X amount of money or whatever. And then everybody realized that that's when they stopped posting. Mm-hmm. So it's like, they went to go do this job and they never returned. So obviously, this is where they are. Right. And then they traced her cell phone and it confirmed. It was like literally in the exact same area where the job was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. So all things led back to his house. Um, they showed up at his house and they was like, yeah, um, they went missing the day they went to come work for you. So we have a search warrant. We're just going to look through the house or whatever. It was like the most calm interaction. It wasn't even like SWAT or no shit like that. I mean, obviously because he white. Yeah. But you would think that they would show up with like the maids and mm-hmm. the dogs and like all this extra shit. They showed up and they was like, well, you know, Mr. Cole, we, we got a search warrant and, you know, we searched, we searched her, uh, you know, cell phone or whatever. And right now we just need you to surrender your cell phone. And then, you know, we need to look over the property or whatever. The, mm-hmm. mo- the calmest search warrant I've ever seen in my fucking life. So they go through the property, they go like all through the house or whatever, and then they like found, so he has like a two-story garage in his backyard, and they go in the garage and they found like, um, like a living area, basically. There's like a bed, and by the bed, there's shackles. Like, there's like a chain like hooked into the wall, and then there's like, like, I guess like a hook into the wall, and then there's like a chain coming from it, as if like somebody would be on the bed and they would be like chained down or whatever. So that was really fucking weird. And then they went yeah. to the bathroom and they found like clippings of reddish brown hair. Mm-hmm. So obviously somebody with hair that doesn't look like him or whatever, you know, had cut their hair and then yeah, it went in the garbage or whatever. So they knew something was up at that point. But they were like, OK, cool. Let's just like keep searching the property. So he had like a storage container in the back. And it had like five padlocks in like a big like U-shape kind of. And so they had to like, I don't know what it's called, but it's like the little... It's like a metal drill, basically. Like, they had to, like, get in there, and they had to, like, get the the padlocks to cut the locks and stuff Mm -hmm. like that, and then cut, like, the big two locks on the shipping container. They There was, like, hella guns back there. There was food. There was crime novels and stuff like that. LOL. Right. (laughs) Sounds like something. Sounds like my house. (laughs) (laughs) But without without a person being there. Right. True, true, true. So, um, they get all the way to the back, and Kayla is in the storage container all the way in the back. She had been in the dark in there for two months <gasps> yeah she had been locked up in there for two months like he would let her out between the hours of like 12 and 3 or like 1 and 3 or something that like that that was one of the wildest parts of the story to me like yeah you giving her walking around time like, like I'm so confused like a dog but in, either way like you don't leave a dog in the dark especially no. on property like that you wouldn't do that to an right. animal that would so cause like, a psychological stuff. break yeah. yeah most definitely but he did it to her, and she was so she was so calm. It was like mm. I don't, I don't want to say strong because I hate calling women strong, but like mm. that bitch, like she was not playing no games. They unlocked her, like they were as they were getting cutting into the locks. They were like, um, "How long have you been here?" She was like, "I've been here for two months." Taco Hep shot Charlie Carver, Charlie Carver, and uh, he has other bodies on the property. This, this, and this, this day. She been like, watching. She been she, keeping it. Yeah, she started rattling off, and I was like, honestly, better than me, because like I would have been crying. I would have been, <laughs> you know, incoherent. I mean, she was so clear in yeah. like every statement that she made. She was super calm. I'm not saying that she should have been, because bitch, you got the right to break the fuck down. Mm-hmm. Right? When the cops find you and they like finally unshackle mm-hmm. you and you've been in there for two months, girl, you, you have the right to break the fuck down crying. Like, yeah. and that's what I would have did. Um, so 
they also searched the property in like the wooded area or whatever and they found uh charlie carver's car and if you see this uh if you see this car i'm gonna definitely put up pictures on the instagram or whatever but it's like he spray painted it brown to try to match the woods and then threw some Please. brush over it and i'm like girl no like from a helicopter view maybe like from a like maybe but i don't know that that didn't work at all like yeah. you can I still like, tell that it's a fucking are there car. ways to get rid of cars as well there, okay. there are but they take work that's they, true and he was just being lazy i mean it. you could have drove that thing to the hood and just took an uber home but <laughs> somebody would have picked it up he could have put it in the garage at one of his properties and just never sold the property that part it's just him. it's just too much it's just too much um so yeah so let me see Charlie was later found on the property and then it confirmed what Kayla had already said. There was multiple gunshots on the body and so they like immediately arrested him. Um, according to Charlie, I mean, according to Kayla, she was saying that he shot Charlie because he was mad at her. So I'm guessing like the, the situation, she never said exactly what he was mad about, but me personally, I think it was like, oh, he tried her or something, mm-hmm. or and he felt like rejected, and so then he like shot Charlie mm-hmm. as a result. So this is her side of the story at this point. Mm-hmm. So after he shot her, I mean, after uh, he shot Charlie or whatever, she knew she was in trouble because one, the property was so expensive, and then two, he was already known to be like a super friendly person. He was a real estate agent. So mm-hmm. literally nobody would have suspected right. that it would have been him. And as a matter of fact, like looking back on it, if he hadn't made those Facebook posts, they probably never would have. Mm-hmm. They probably never would have caught him. Right. Um, or it would have taken long enough where he could have like gotten out of town or whatever. Yeah. yeah. So he starts posting after. So after he locked her up in the uh, shipping container, that's when he started posting, like trying to, I guess, like keep the suspicion off of him. Mm-hmm. And there's another thing, like, why are you doing this? Nobody knows it's you. Like nobody's right. thinking that it's you. <laughs> So he posted on Facebook, reading the news, this person missing, that person missing, another person missing. Oh, wait, that person just went to the beach with a friend. Other person with with parole violation boyfriend. In the event I become missing, please note no one would take me. I eat too much and I'm crabby. <laughs> they would just bring me back or give me 20 bucks for a cab ride. Most likely if I'm missing, it's because my dumb ass did something on that tractor again and I'm too stubborn to go to the doctor. I got nine lives. I eat too much, and I'm and I'm crapping there just with me. This is the guy talking. To yeah, you? this is this is him posting on his Facebook now. Have you have y'all seen the TikToks where it was like, if I ever get kidnapped, uh, my kidnapper is gonna take me back or something oh, because yeah. they like doing. Oh all yeah, because they doing something. Yeah. Uh, or they talking nonstop about this niche. Stuff. Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> I wonder what I was gonna be. <laughs> Probably gonna be too crazy. Right. Um, yeah. So we already know that uh, Brown was sexually assaulted during her captivity, but he would tell her things like, oh, I, I want you to stay here long term and be my partner in crime. Um, I'm, I want my numbers to be in the three digits, but they're like in the high double digits. He started telling, telling her about other murders. He also said that like, she, well, she said that like sometimes she would refuse and that he would not force himself on her because he didn't quote unquote believe in rape. Uh, yeah. Huh. And so, yeah, he didn't see, like, I guess, threatening her and showing her other bodies. He didn't consider that assault. Um, But he did tell her that Stockholm Syndrome would eventually kick in. And I guess, like, she would want to stay there or whatever. Um, So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, they found the other bodies on the property. They start digging around. And then they ended up finding Johnny Joe Coxie. And Megan Lee McCraw-Coxie, which was the server at the Waffle House. Yeah. 
So they found her body on the property. And in his confession, he ended up being like, oh, um, yeah, Megan was here, like, consensually. She, like, she had, like, a collar. You'll find a collar on the property. She had me, like, buy that from her. I mean, buy that for her. And I was like, okay, cool. And, like, yeah, she had me buy, like, a a book on, like, the occult and, like, witchcraft and stuff like that because she was a witch and all this stuff like that. And so it was later revealed that, like, both of them, um, they had a history of, like, panhandling. Mm -hmm. And their kid at one point had tested positive for heroin. So the cops believe that, like, he targeted them because of drug use and things like that. And nobody would believe them if something happened anyway. Damn. So they also died by the the same way that he killed the others, by multiple gunshots. Um... And um, they also, it was also revealed that they had just been released from jail. So he probably like waited outside the jail or like used to pick up like drifters outside mm-hmm. the jail, which led to them, led them to believe that like he killed uh, multiple people, which he said, he said he, he that he had killed other people. Um, so back to his confession now, um, he, one minute into his confession, he said, I just think it's funny. At the end of all this, you tell us, let me get back to my mom. I don't know what this means. I'm just quoting exactly what he said. And uh, helping you solve the problem that cleans the books up. Honestly, I'm not worried about my conscience. You gave me what I wanted. And what I wanted was an opportunity to take care of my mom. So in exchange for his full confession, they let him um, talk to his mom. They let him give her a photograph and transfer all of his money to a college fund for his girlfriend's kid. And then he said, tell my girlfriend, uh, please let her know I screwed up and I can't fix it. So the fact that he had a girlfriend this whole time. Yeah, definitely. And in Kayla's, um, uh, in Kayla's, um, like video after the kidnapping or whatever, she talks about how he talked about other women, and Holly was one of them. And he was like, "Oh, the next girl I'm gonna kill. Her name is Holly." Da, 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 da. And so Holly didn't even know any of this. Like Holly bought the shipping container for him. Oh no, girl. Yeah, yeah. It was like a storage unit, I guess. Like, and she paid for it. And so in the when they uh, published the video. She saw it, and then she saw that he was, like, planning on killing some girl named Holly. And she was like, bitch, excuse me? Like, that's me. <laughs> that type shit. So, so in this confession with his mom, that's when he confessed to the Superbike Motorsports uh, killing. Mm-hmm. And apparently he did it because, um, well, according to his mom, he went in there and tried to buy a motorcycle. But they laughed at him because <laughs> he didn't know how to properly ride a motorcycle. Or like he yeah, he didn't know how to properly operate it or something, so he just killed everybody in there. Which which is <laughs> ridiculous. Anything, but like No, but girl, like, yeah, no, it's ridiculous. I was like, excuse me, like You didn't know what you was doing and they just I mean, yeah, it was rooted in the last And they probably didn't even laugh at him. It was probably like oh, oh like, yeah. Like, oh you don't even know how to ride a bike, right, bro. Right. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. Oh, um, no. So yeah. So now these fragile egos, I tell you. Right. So right after his confession, um, yeah, he had told his mom all this shit. Uh, yeah, and uh, obviously, let's see, there was another one. It was oh yeah. So his mom also revealed that he killed um, Charlie Carver because he had a quote unquote really smart mouth, and Cohen didn't like that. Which is like that's oh that's scary. I'm sorry. Um, so they found a bunch of weapons and then they later discovered that for those weapons, he left reviews on Amazon. There's a lot of them. There's a, but I just chose the ones that I just thought were like ridiculous. I mean, they were all ridiculous, but you know what I mean? Like, I completely um, forgot about the Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so there was a whole bunch of like padlocks and he said solid locks um, <laughs> I have five on a shipping container 
Um, won't stop them, but sure will slow them down till they are too old to care. What? So he probably like planned on keeping her there for a very fucking long time. Oh my god. Um, his username was me. Yeah. His username was Emmy, like me. Um, another written for a folding shovel, it says keep in car when you have to hide the bodies and you left the full size shovel at home. Does not come with a midget, which uh which could have been nice. And yeah. So, <laughs> and everybody thought it was a joke. Like, everybody read it, and they just thought it was a joke. Matter of fact, his wish list was connected to an account called Todd Cohep. So, they knew exactly who it was that said this shit. And that shit was wrong. Um, yeah, so, this, <laughs> this, is the, this is another crazy one. So, um, he said, now my locks have locks. I guess my place is Hotel California now. And at the, so, um, I didn't say this earlier, but, like, the lyrics to Hotel California was one of the posts that he put on Charlie's uh, Facebook. And the lyrics are, like, now you'll be here forever, or, like, now you'll never leave, or something like that. Yeah, you can check so, in, but you, oh, yeah, you, you can check, can check out, in. but you can never leave. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Uh, so, let's see. Ooh. So, oh Cohen was taken to trial. He was charged with four counts of murder in relation to the Chesney shootings and one count of kidnapping in relation to Kayla's abduction. He was later charged with three additional counts of murder for the murders of the of Charlie Carver and the Coxies, along with one additional count of kidnapping and three counts of uh, possession of a weapon during a violent crime. Um, Cole pled guilty to seven counts of murder, um, two counts of kidnapping, and one count of criminal sexual assault, and was sentenced to seven consecutive life sentences without the possibility of parole. Uh, it was a plea bargain that spared him some capital punishment, or I guess like death. I was about to say a plea death. bargain for what? <laughs> <laughs> Seven consecutive, right? God damn. <laughs> so <clears throat> his defense swore at his sentencing that there were no other victims to be found, but he has always maintained that he has like dozens, oh, of, other, doubt it. dozens of other bodies. I yeah, he seems all. like he wants to be like notable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, like he a wants, prolific serial. Yeah, player. so. I mean, I don't doubt he has more bodies, but I feel like he would also lie about it and say that he has more bodies if he didn't. True. Yeah. But even like we were talking about earlier, like him being a serial killer, I mean, a real estate agent and having access to all these properties and shit like that, ain't no <gasps> telling mm-hmm. where some of these folks' bodies might mm-hmm. be. Especially, as, isn't this in South Carolina? Mm-hmm. With swamps and like... Oh, that's terrifying. That shit. Isn't there like, like, there's only a certain amount of years where real estate agents have to reveal if somebody died in that house? Like, after a certain amount of years, they don't have to say anything. That sounds right. Hmm. I don't... I've never heard of it. I think I heard about it on the podcast. <laughs> I was going to say, was that on, like... <laughs> was that on, like, American Horror Story or something? It, it was, was on, on, like, House. House. It was on one of those, like, official podcasts, like, um... You know, the like news line. line. Yeah, like a Dateline or something. I'll look oh. it up. <laughs> Damn. That is interesting. But, yeah. That is the story of the Amazon Review Killer... Wow. Well, you definitely gave me more detail than I knew before. I have heard of the story. I didn't know about the childhood piece. I didn't know about the Waffle House piece and a bunch of stuff like that. But I did see the video of when um, Kayla Brown was rescued. Mm-hmm. And you a thousand, like she was eerily like calm yeah. and stoic. She just like started talking. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I can see it in my mind. She's like kind of like laid on a mattress with like her arms or whatever. And they're like trying to free her. And she's just like just talking like mm-hmm. just like a regular conversation she's like yeah i've been here da, 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 da. like it was just wow. like it was creepy like it made like the hairs on my arm stand up mm-hmm. it was so creepy yeah no i literally got chills watching it because i was just like 
there's no possible way I would ever be that calm. And it, it kind of reminds me of, you did a story about that, um, ooh, what's Ooh, that's my phone, but it was my computer ringing. My <laughs> um, It reminds me of a story that you did when the girl was, um, when he let the girl go, and then she went to the police and was like, he lives 13 steps up on the oh, right, yeah. His shoes had the Puma check, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, the bitch gave detail down, and it was just like, yeah. that's a strength that I will, like, that I admire so much. And it's just sad that, like, somebody would even get to exercise that. But if you're in that type of situation, it's literally the best personality type to have because it saved her fucking life. I don't even think it's personality. I think it's the beautiful thing about the human brain is that, like, it's wired to protect you so Mm -hmm. like when you experience trauma sometimes like your psyche like functions differently so i just feel like it's like some people when they are experiencing things extreme like that like their minds is kind of like not fractures but like you know like a different part of you shows up Mm -hmm. like it's like being in shock almost i wonder if that's also why she could kind of stay like sane Mm -hmm. because she focused so much on the details and she's like if i can just like have this thing that I do, mm-hmm. then I can like be okay. Like maybe she recited the story every day so mm-hmm. she can remember something, something like that, that. Yeah. or like I'm just gonna super pay attention to everything he tells me and like mm-hmm. make sure that I know the details whenever I get saved. Yeah. Also, um, a- according to California Civil Code, um, realtors only have to tell you if a death occurred in your house if it was within three years of your offer. Wow, that's in California, so I'm sure it's different in different states, but yeah. I feel like you should have to disclose if someone died violently within like your lifetime. I mean, I need to know if like the vibes in my house are off. Right. I need to know. Like, if this is murder house, please tell me now. Yeah. I think our office is. Well, no. Y'all said it was like friendly ghosts. (laughs) Bitch, I bet you said my Joe house. I was like, oh, we're not recording there no more. No. (laughs) Well, I was like, uh, the person that lived in my house before this. Yeah, I remember that. It's okay. We put new paint. We covered it up. My house was built in 1914, I think. So, I mean, I'm sure some shit went down here. But I feel like it has mostly good vibes. Yeah, I feel good vibes when I come here. Especially your yard. Yeah. I can't wait to put some stuff out there. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Not your body. Not nobody's body. No storage containers. Nothing like that. Guess I'm just still alive. Please. <laughs> Guess I'll just do the embarrassment of my my hypothetical uh, situation with my granny listening to the podcast. Yeah, granny, what you think? Let us know. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Um, okay, sorry. Yeah, it was. Okay, yeah, I'm glad I could deliver. I was, I'm trying to be more like y'all with my notes. Like, let me watch a little documentary real quick. <laughs> Wait, period. Well, uh, again. Choose your real estate agents wisely. Please. And go in pairs. Yes. And take a knife. Or a gun. Whatever you gotta do. Whatever revolver. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Not the Y.I. auto. The Y.I. The dual fashion shit. That shit was wild. Okay, we'll be back with Should This Be a Crime. This is a local story, but it's from a few years ago. Yeah. I came across a screenshot of it on Facebook. Yes, I'm still on Facebook because I'm 85 years old and I don't care. <laughs> um, but I just thought it was 
perfect for this category of our podcast and this part of our podcast. So the title is Man Who Threw Man Who Threw Methfield Death Party for Ellen Wife Gets Three Years in Prison. What? <laughs> what? A meth meth fueled death, death party. Death party. Yes. For ailing what? Okay. Huh? A Minnesota <laughs> A Minnesota man who threw his wife a drug-fueled death party before she died in January was sentenced Monday to serve three years in prison. First of all, this man's name is Dwayne, and he is white as a footplate. I am screaming. (laughs) Dwayne Arden Johnson, 59, of Searles, was initially charged with third-degree murder in the death of his wife, Deborah Lynn Johnson. Deborah Johnson, 69, died of methamphetamine toxicity January 24th in the couple's home. The... Mancota Free Press reported that Dwayne Johnson re- agreed to plead guilty to the lesser charge of felony neglect. A Brown County judge sentenced him to three years with credit for 201 days already served. Johnson was arrested January 24th and charged with criminal neglect after he called 911 and reported his wife's death. According to court documents, the first deputy to arrive at the couple's home found the words, Death, Pard, God, Hell. It's in quotations. I'm going to spell out, I think it's supposed to say party. But it's spelled P-A-R-D-E. <laughs> party, death, God, part, dud, hell. I didn't, yeah. And red spray paint on the screen door. A naked Dwayne Johnson opened the screen door and screamed, My wife is dead upstairs, the charging document stated. He ran back inside saying he, quote, needed to wash the stuff off of him, end quote. The deputy found him sitting in the bathtub in the bathroom on the main floor of the home. The court document said... Johnson told the deputy he had to wash with soap and bleach to get little black and white things off his skin. So he must still be half mad. Yeah. While sitting, in the t- while sitting in the tub, Johnson said his wife had been shaking so violently he couldn't stand seeing her flop around anymore, the document said. Oh, that's sad. When the doc- deputy asked why Johnson did not seek medical help for his wife, he told him the last time she was brought to New Own Medical Center, them, they put in quotes, expletives, revived her, and them, quote, expletive. And New Orleans made my life expletive. Other responding deputies found Deborah Johnson's body wrapped in a sheet at the top of the stairs, the charging document said. The sheet was held in place by a belt. She was still warm, but brick and mortis had begun to set in. When the doc- deputies asked if that was his wife in the sheet, Dwayne Johnson told them it was, and he prepared the dead like the Bible told him to, the document said. I'm not going to read this whole article because it's kind of long, but basically what happened was his wife was dying. And it was, um, what's the word? Fatal. Uh-huh. Um, and so he checked out of the hospital so that she could go out like a real G and have a party and do all the drugs she wanted. So he said he couldn't stand to see her wife, his wife suffer anymore and that he promised her a party. He said he didn't want to hear her. She, he didn't want to hear her to hear him crying. So he turned up the music real loud and they'd been rocking out for three days. Aww. Right? I'm like, this is not a crime. This, is, not, this is real it's love. It's really not. Um, meth is an interesting drug of choice, but I mean, if you're gonna die anyway, like, go for the gusto. Love that shit, yeah. Um, the death party Johnson said his wife had requested had been ongoing for five days, the court document said. He said his wife had been shaking and trembling the couple of days leading up to her death. Less than two hours before she died, Johnson said his wife wanted to have wanted him to have sex with her one more time. He also said, however, that she could not speak as they were having intercourse, but her body had told him that she was enjoying it. That's weird. Hmm. Um, yeah. But he did end up being charged with murder after the wife's autopsy found she died, not of natural causes, but from death. 
Every time he said Dwayne Johnson, I couldn't not think about The Rock. I didn't even think of that. <laughs> so it took me, it, it was hard for me to focus. It's just a lot to unpack for me because going back to the name, why is this white man had this black ass name? Please, right. let me show you a picture. Dwayne Johnson. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? That's why I cannot get through the first paragraph. Oh, I'm like, oh my goodness. What the fuck? Let me see. Girls. Why are you doing like that? <laughs> oh no. So for context, y'all, this man it's not even just the way he looks. It's like the face he's making. This is clearly a mugshot and this is white man who's bald who is like squinting but also smiling. Like I don't even know how to really describe it. We just gonna have to put it on the Instagram, but it's okay. not at all what you expect. I'm not even this is gonna sound funny because it is, but I'm not trying to be funny. I'm just being accurate. This is just science. Okay, I'm just an observer. I'm so scared. He looked like do y'all remember when um who was that they brought their grandmama on SpongeBob in the wheelchair? <laughs> <laughs> the word like the <laughs> I would not expect somebody like that to be named Dwayne. He's probably lit as fuck back in the day. Probably. Yeah. I mean, Dwayne's clearly a real nigga, even though he's not a nigga. Because yeah. anybody that checks me out to let me die the way that I want to die right. and provides me with the drug and the dick, like. I'm in party for three days. That's like the best assisted suicide ever. Mm-hmm. This You literally can't get no better than that. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, honestly. I stand. I mean, I never smoked meth before, but I know that shit was probably lit. Like, <laughs> that's probably why niggas keep doing it. <laughs> it probably feel good. <laughs> I'm not gonna know. absolutely lie. I mean, I've done Adderall. Is that? Is, oh it's yeah, that's not, like one. That's like one step away. <laughs> right. It's one chemical compound away from being a street drug. <laughs> Legal mess. <laughs> it is. But you know what's so funny? I was listening to um the Blondes podcast we listened to. And they were talking about how I guess in Australia, like it's normal for people. Like meth isn't like frowned upon the way we frown upon it here. I guess mm-hmm. it's like in the same category as like Cocaine. Coke or Molly, yeah, mm-hmm. something along those lines. So like meth isn't not everybody feels the way we feel about meth. Yeah. I think that like drugs here affect people differently. I don't know how shit is in other countries, so I'm not that Australian method. Yeah, one, they probably have it, like better resources to make it. They're not making it out of like house household cleaners and shit. And then two, I feel like people just when people have like different healthcare systems or like different resources it affects them differently because mm-hmm. like here meth is associated with poverty one like mm-hmm. poor white people and then you know like whenever they start to um i know that there's one things like um it like fucks with your salivary glands or whatever mm-hmm. so in order to i guess like stimulate the glands like a lot of people drink mountain dew which is why mountain dew is associated with like poor white people because the way they market it one and then two that like it's uh it's caffeinated one and then, too, it's, like, so sugary, it, like, kind of activates those salivary glands, which is why a lot of people who do meth have, like, a meth mouth. Mm-hmm. And then, like, they don't have that saliva to break down those sugars, and so it's just, like, sitting on their teeth. And that's why they look like that. But I feel like in other countries, if they had, like, better resources, they probably wouldn't look like that. Mm-hmm. Like, or you probably wouldn't. I don't, I'm not sure how the, the skin picking works. I yeah. Mean, um, but yeah, no. If if they have better resources to make it, they, are they experiencing those symptoms for people to even look down upon? Like, right. Yeah. So, I mean, I feel like if you're in a system where it's not looked down in the same way, like, 
it's like we were talking about earlier like when you do drugs or the drugs do you I feel like when you have the option to just do drugs yeah. it looks different like mm-hmm. you can just recreationally do some shit yeah. if you have a good time and it's not like I'm scavenging on the street to like do meth all the time right yeah. so. cause isn't don't Elon Musk isn't he a user of Child, I don't know shit don't about know. that man. I don't know what he. I knows. don't know what his voice sound like, and I couldn't take him off the street if I had to. <laughs> Sorry, this man. <laughs> so it's a song by Pharrell and Lil Uzi, it's, uh, Neon Guts, and then one of the lines I, th- that put him on the map, that put Elon Musk on the map. I didn't even know who Elon Musk was before I heard the song, but it, the the line is like. Higher than Elon Musk, or something, something, yeah, I guess, you know, so whatever. Mm. And so I'm like, who the fuck is Elon Musk? And they're like, oh, he's an t- But so, like, from that, everybody's like, oh, yeah, Elon Musk is a user. Like, so and I just assumed that he, he, he do a coat or like crackers. I feel like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, all rich people, I feel like. But he got money, so it's like, he can just pay to, like, have his teeth cleaned or some shit. Like, right. I don't fucking know. I don't or whatever. Not sure if he does yeah. that. Like, get the good shit. Yeah. And people mm-hmm. just bring it to I your door. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. it. That's true. You don't have to do whatever you need to get it. Right. Everybody else getting their drugs off Shein and shit. So. Not accessible drugs. <laughs> Not <So>. Shein. <laughs> Please. <laughs> but no, I don't think it's a car. I think it's lit. Oh, well, it's other than the fact that she... Well, I'm not sure if she convulsed because of drugs or because of her sickness, but I mean, like, she went out the way that she wanted to. Yeah. And, you know, if there is a heaven, that bitch up there telling some good ass stories. Like, right. That, I got some last minute dick. Like, right. I was high as shit. And, yeah, I got to go out the way that I wanted to. I didn't go out, I don't know, in my sleep. And that's boring. And then I um, uh, didn't die violently, I guess. So, yeah. That's another way. He smiled in the picture, like, yeah, I did that shit. I took care of my bitch. <laughs> right. I hope somebody throws you a death party, Dwayne Johnson. <laughs> right. Honestly. You deserve <laughs> You deserve it. Yeah, most definitely. Um, um, yeah. Not a crime. Yeah. Uh, I don't shouldn't think so. Shouldn't have yeah. been locked. It's also like, how do they know it wasn't like she died by suicide? Like, how do they know it was him? That's fair. That is a good point. He probably admitted something while he was high. Yeah. Then we had a dinner party, and you know, I got the stuff all on. Let me let me take y'all real quick before y'all take me down to county. Right. Give me that bleach right there. I need get the stuff off my skin. There's nothing on your skin. Yes, there is. Yeah. He was talking probably just like, oh, my wife committed suicide. You know, she's a heavy smoker. You know, she was on that shit. Sweet. You know that shit. when they smoke weed or no yeah. shit. No. Maybe they got drunk and then did like some super belligerent shit or you know got into a fight with niggas or something yeah. like that. But meth is always like antics. Like, like I burned my own house down with me. Yeah. Like <laughs> you know, um, join my own search party. <laughs> Forgot about that. Because I was missing. Oh, it's me. Like, <laughs> oh, I know that guy. It's <laughs> always mess. So, yeah. <clears throat> Absolutely not a crime. I hope you get out. Free my niggas. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they did only give him three years. I don't appreciate that. Yeah. I feel, I feel like they appreciated it too, but they had to give him They had to do something. Like, yeah. Like, okay, make an example out of you. Right. Good behavior. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah. Oh yeah, not a crime at all. <laughs> so.
Well, thanks for rocking with us this week again. Yeah. Oh, we got stickers coming out. Oh, oh you scared me. I forgot about that. Okay, what are, how, how do we uh, give these stickers to people? We should have said this at the top of the episode. I know. Well, if you made it here, you're exclusive. <laughs> yeah, you, you made it deserve a sticker. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we're not exactly selling them yet. We were thinking about doing a giveaway. Mm-hmm. So, but we're not feel bad for the people that already wrote reviews and never got a sticker. If you wrote a review, email us and, sh- and tell us like your username or whatever so we can see the review. Yeah. Or write us a review. Yeah, with a screenshot and email us at Podcast at gmail.com and we will coordinate sending you a sticker. Let's say the first 25 people. Yeah. So if you've yeah, written a review or you are going to write a review, send us a screenshot of the review and we'll send you a sticker for free. Yeah, and make sure you email us because we want to be able to get your address and stuff like, yeah. in a safe way. Okay. So speaking of, to connect with us, you can email us at ianakillapodcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on our socials at ianakillapodcast on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and ianakillapod on Twitter. And you can listen to us everywhere where you can find podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon, we're everywhere, except for...